For Cybercrime Magazine in Newport News, Virginia, I'm Heather Engel, Managing Partner at Strategic Cyber Partners. Joining me today from Newtown, Connecticut is Greg Crowley, CISSP, CISM, and Chief Information Security Officer at eCentire. Welcome, Greg. Hi, Heather. Thanks for coming on the show with us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us some background. Well, thank you very much for having me on today. And yes, as you mentioned, I am currently the Chief Information Security Officer at eCentire, the authority in managed detection and response. I have a technical background. My career started on in IT on the systems and networking side and eventually broke out into cybersecurity, which I think is quite common scenario within the IT and security industry. But my sole focus now is kind of the internal CISO for eCentire. Well, today we're going to talk about a recent article in Wired that covered what appears to be a long-term breach at GoDaddy. And I'm excited to hear your take on this. The headline reads, hackers ran amok inside GoDaddy for nearly three years. And what we know from the article is that GoDaddy has now had three breaches, one in March of 2020, another in November of 2021, and most recently in December of 2022. GoDaddy hosts more than 20 million customers worldwide on their platform, and they've said that the same attackers appear to be responsible for all three attacks. Can you give us a little bit more background and maybe your take on this story? So first, I'll just make a clarifying statement that eCentire was not involved with the investigation or services provided. So anything that I'm sharing or talking about today is really just my thoughts from what has been shared by GoDaddy themselves publicly. So first off, it's it's a little concerning, right? If you Even if you just had three incidents in a relatively short period, that's concerning. But now to hear that it may they may have been all connected. It just raises a lot of concerns. And I'm, I'm definitely not one to blame the victim because Kojeli didn't ask to get compromised and somebody took advantage of some vulnerability, weakness, some hole, right, to, to do this. But it, it just, it raises a lot more questions. I think Godaddy, great that they've come forward and the SEC filing have stated some things that they've found and m- mentioning things like that it's been the three previous ones that you mentioned in that timeline, 2020, 2021, and then 2022, seem to be related to the same threat actor. That would be a long dwell time, or that would make that would raise a lot of questions in my head about do they have proper visibility into their network? What was the scope of the incident response on previous incidents? Because that is a really long dwell time. Yeah. And I mean, you and I know from our work experience that dealing with data breaches and fully eradicating the threat is one of the most difficult parts of recovery, but it's also one of the most important things. And so GoDaddy has said they're now working with forensics experts and law enforcement to identify the root cause. You would assume that this is something that should have been done after the March 2020 breach. So is is this a situation where Perhaps GoDaddy thought that they had fully recovered, but the attackers continued to have a foothold? Or is this a situation where there were multiple entry points and maybe when one door closed, there were other doors that were still left open? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and those are all valid things that have come to my mind. You know, I would hope that they would have fully scoped the initial investigation or an initial incident response, right? Because if they thought maybe the attack was just in one portion of their network and they only scoped the response to that, 
that could be limiting, right? Because you know, when somebody gets in your network, they look to move laterally, they look to create back doors. So that could have very well happened, right? It could have been that they went to other parts of the network that GoDaddy did not think were accessible or whatever, and maybe they maintained persistence in that manner. It also could be that it was there any data that was exfiltrated? Because one of the incidents, I can't recall which one, I believe some code might've been the most more recent one, where I believe they mentioned that some code was taken, right? So with that code, did that leave or create the ability to come back in? Did they leave back doors? So it could have been that they were evicted, right? That the, the threat and the incident was contained, but somehow they came back in another way, another time. And that's what's going to be interesting to see in the upcoming weeks, months, as this gets shared. And I think GoDaddy really will need to share what happened because it is multiple and to restore confidence in their customers and prospects, as well as to anybody that might be visiting a GoDaddy customer's website unknowingly, right? Because that's more concerning too. It's not just the people that were, or the customers that were impacted by hosting their websites with GoDaddy. You as a a browser going to sites, you don't know on the back end if it's hosted by GoDaddy or not, right? So that that's a larger concern that I don't really hear being talked about much. Yeah, that's a really great point because I was going to ask you, you know, what does this mean for GoDaddy's customers? But you're right, it is a much broader scope beyond just the customer who has their website hosted with GoDaddy. We also have to consider what the impact is on consumers who might be visiting a shopping site that's hosted on GoDaddy. When, when I was doing research for this story, one of the things that really stood out to me is we had some pretty obvious things here that were used in these breaches. We had one compromised password in, in one of the situations. We had stolen login credentials. Give me your thoughts on a stolen password being able to compromise 1.2 million WordPress instances, because that's a pretty big number. And we know security best practice would indicate that that is something that shouldn't be able to happen. What are your thoughts on that? Well, absolutely. That shouldn't be able to happen. I would like to think that we was in a password vault. I would like to think that it had MFA attached to getting into the vault. I would like to think that MFA was used for the actual login credentials that were, were compromised. And I do see that there, are, there have been many instances lately uh, or incidents lately in the news of large companies who through compromised credentials that have 2FA protection still being compromised via methods of MFA fatigue or MFA bombing, getting the user to accidentally or give in to the MFA request or phishing, which ironically, <laughs> the threat actor in this case was probably setting up phishing campaign sites to capture credentials, capture MFA tokens, to capture authenticated sessions. And that could have been done to GoDaddy itself, but for one account to have so much privilege, that is, that's concerning, right? You would think that if you go back to zero trust or just limiting blast areas, that one powerful account, that's pretty concerning. And it seems too, from reading the article that the first attack in March of 2020 had login credentials for 28,000 customers and some of GoDaddy's staff. Then in November, that was when a stolen password was used to compromise 1.2 million instances. So it seems like this campaign is getting worse. Would you agree with that? Is that something that we tend to see a lot in situations like this? 
Yeah, and I think the longer, you know, again, going back to the initial question or the initial thought of this conversation is the amount of time spanning from 20 March 2020 till now in 2023, we don't know how much information was taken, how many backdoors placed, how many websites compromised. So I think there's a lot more to come on this. And I think there's more that we're going to be seeing in the in the upcoming months. As the CISO at East Entire, one of the things that I think you probably see and maybe have a good handle on is what are some of the trends and what are some of the newer threats that we're seeing? Is there any correlation between this case and some of what you're seeing just from a broader perspective in the marketplace? Yeah, on a few fronts. So, and I think even GoDaddy alluded to it when they were working with authorities saying that it looks like there's evidence that the threat actor is also targeting other hosting companies. So whether it's a hosting company or an IT service provider, or the the idea of going after one company that can give the threat actor access to multiple companies, that is definitely something we're seeing more and more of over the past couple of years, supply chain attacks. And then also just the what I've seen in recent months, uh, I don't want to accidentally name the wrong company, but there was major companies out there that disclosed incidents and breaches where code was stolen. And that's concerning. And I've seen more of that now. It seems like the last few that have popped up have involved source code being stolen. And that's concerning was what are they going to do with that source code? And that there leaves the door open for more attacks, future attacks. And that's the scary part. And then the third part or the third trend I see is what I alluded to before is MFA is out there and it was always great. Okay, put MFA everywhere, which is great. And you should be doing that. But MFA is not the be all end all. There are additional steps companies need to take now because your credentials can be stolen. (laughs) And through MFA bombing, pestering the, the user to hit that accept prompt on their authentication app, that is something that is happening to get around it. Phishing sites are being set up to capture credentials as well as the authentication token in that 2FA. So by putting in additional measures such as not just authenticating the user, but also the device. So if your token is stolen or that, it's it's not just looking at, am I really Greg? It's also looking at, is this one of Greg's authorized devices that this connection is coming from? And there's some other tools out there that provide that. So yeah, and I'll, I'll add one more on that. I wasn't expecting to add, but this is this shows that breaches are inevitable. They are going to happen. So what is super important is that you try and detect it and respond as quickly as possible, right? So the detection and response, extremely important. Having the visibility into your network, all your key assets, as well as identities. And then you want to have your logs because Forensic world, as you know, Heather, they live in the log. So if there is an incident, if there's a breach, they want logs of everything because you want to know what happened, where did they move, where where may they still be, what accounts were created. So keeping a good log retention or having a SIM, very important. Yeah, those are all really great points. There's one that I'd like to go back to, if you wouldn't mind, and that's the source code being stolen. I'd love for us to just talk a little bit about what can be done if your source code is in the hands of attackers, right? Because we know that that's considered intellectual property. That's something that we want to keep safe at all costs. 
if your attackers got your source code, they can kind of run through those lines of code. They can look for vulnerabilities that they could exploit. What are some other things that could be done in an attack or, or what are some other things that could be done to prolong an attack in which your source code has been stolen? Yeah, this is an area where I'm definitely not an expert on, but as you mentioned, like they, they can go through all the lines and look for vulnerabilities. But if you look at open source code, right, that's openly available to the public to look at the lines of code and, and to look for vulnerabilities, but that's by design. So if it's not open source and your source code gets stolen, I mean, the teams really have to be up on it to make sure that the vulnerabilities are closed. But it also kind of probably gives the attacker insight into they stole maybe a piece from dev or QA, or even if it's legacy, they probably understand how your newer code is also being built. They might understand the libraries that you're dependent on. So if you go back to log4j, they might see, okay, these guys rely on this library. Okay, what vulnerabilities are available in that library? How can we exploit this further going forward? Can we potentially inject malicious code and make it look like, you know, so if we're spinning off of GoDaddy now, maybe just to any code or source code that's stolen, because it could be software. Okay, can they make it look like it's official software and maybe put it into the Google Play market to then, I think that happened with a company recently. And then you're downloading what you think is legitimate software. It looks like it, but it's not, it's got malware inside. And then in the case with GoDaddy, right, if secret keys are stolen or certificates are being compromised, it looks like it's the legitimate site. So there's just lots of potential ways that this could be put to bad use. If I'm a GoDaddy customer, what should I be doing right now? <laughs> if you're a GoDaddy customer, what should you be doing right now? Well, <laughs> you should definitely be in contact with GoDaddy. You need to understand, ask them the direct questions of, is my site impacted? Were any of my visitors impacted? What do I need to do? How do we make sure this doesn't happen again? But the unfortunate part, it's a lot of small businesses too that use the GoDaddy web hosting, right? So they might not even be aware of this right now and they're not going to know the questions to ask. They're not going to know what to do, right? They're just trying to, to keep their business running and. The, the website and the, the hosting service, that's the part they want to set and forget and just update the content. So it's usually out of their expertise. So that's the unfortunate part. Larger sites that use it, all right, they're going to have security teams, but if not, find a security partner, work with them um, to understand, all right, what do I need to be asking? How do I know if I've had an incident? Because I, I wouldn't go by, and I'm not saying this um, for GoDaddy, but any company that's had a breach or an incident, they're going to tell you, the good issue should be as transparent as possible, but you should also have somebody else to kind of verify and look at your environment, look at your website, have it externally pen tested, do a little investigation if you can, hire a, a DFIR or a digital forensics uh, incident response team just to take a look so you have some sanity, some peace of mind that you, your company and your site is um, not impacted. So if you're a business owner and your site's hosted at GoDaddy, it sounds like if you've had IT security on your to-do list, this might be the time to <laughs> be a little bit proactive about that, about that New Year's resolution. Absolutely. And, and again, depending on the size of your company, you're probably going to need to work with somebody, you're probably going to need to work with a partner. Security is paramount to any size business now. You don't have to do overkill, but have somebody that when something happens like this, you can go to, you can trust. 
And um, any company of any decent size, small, medium sized business, yeah, have have detection, have response, have a plan, know who to call in the event of an incident. You want to have an incident response plan or somebody to call to, to help you out in that matter. All great advice. Greg, thanks very much for joining us today. My pleasure, Heather. For Cybercrime Magazine in Newport News, Virginia, I'm Heather Engel, Managing Partner at Strategic Cyber Partners.